Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your Wild Grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy? or a bra that's comfortable. Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. When you step back and consider it, our political discourse right now is really about barriers. Today we're going to talk more about barriers and how we might move past borders, walls, ceilings, and floors. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of The Briefcase, our special Friday episode where we go over Friday feedback and talk about a few um, issues that maybe you're coming to head at the weekend or something that we've missed during the week. First, before we get started, we wanted to officially thank all our amazing subscribers. These are people who've gone on our website and it's sort of our honor roll of giving. They're giving every month just a little bit, either like the cost of a cup of coffee, $5, or our super special listeners who are giving us what I'm calling a dinner date every month, which is about $25. So we wanted to officially read the names of those amazing supporters. It's Tamila, Paige, Laura, Christina, Katie, Glenn, Bryn, 
Samantha, Susan, and Sydney. You guys are Supermo's favorites. Mwah. Thank you so much. It really is going to help us do more with the show. It helps us cover the cost of producing the podcast. And it also just affirms for us that we're doing something that you find valuable. And we really appreciate that. Similarly, we appreciate everyone who took time to take our survey. And our winner from uh, filling out the survey is Katie from Los Angeles. And Katie, we will be in touch with you about your Pantsuit Politics t-shirt. So thanks to Katie and all of you who filled out that survey. We're taking so much good stuff from it and uh, doing a lot of planning. And hopefully those will be in. I think they should be any time soon. So be on the watch out for the t-shirts. And we're still, there's only a few left. So if you want one, really... Don't waste, don't, don't waste a minute. <laughs> well, we've gotten some good feedback on our trade episodes. I really appreciate everyone who reached out to say that the sort of trade primer was helpful. I'm going to be honest with you. I was pretty nervous about that one because uh, it's so different from what we normally do. So thanks for your feedback on that. Wanted to highlight a comment that we got on Facebook from Ashley about trade. Um, she, she wrote a lot of really interesting things. I want to read part of it, though, and Sarah, get your reaction, and I'll chime in, too. Finally, while I try to vote with my money, there's a disconnect between my economic interests and my civic interests. That's why capitalism and democracy aren't the same thing. Not everyone can afford to shop idealistically. A hoodie that will last for decades is the ideal, but if I'm cold today and my economic situation means it would be impossible for me to save the money for that hoodie, I'm going to buy the $10 hoodie from Old Navy. Shopping idealistically requires some baseline level of affluence. Voting has no such limitations. My vote allows me to express my ideals and beliefs about how the world should be, to act against my immediate economic interests. My money is far more utilitarian and self-interested. Hopefully the two balance each other out. Girlfriend was on point. I thought that was so good, especially the capitalism and democracy aren't the same thing. Because you get a little, a lot of liberals uh, complaining about this in my circle. There was a book a while back called What's the Matter with Kansas? And it was all about, um, you know, why do people vote, particularly social conservatives, vote from our perspective, which is against their economic interests, voting for people that don't like support parental leave and all these things. So um, I think what's really interesting right now in the presidential race with sort of the appeal of Bernie and Donald Trump is that you finally get, I think you're getting people, you're reaching sort of a tipping point where the economic interests are becoming so strong. They are um, sort of overlaying with the sort of how we want the world to be. I mean, I, I think there is an interest, an intersection. I always think about, I read a statistic once that was like three months after 9-11, people's number one concern was the economy. Like, I think they overlay, I think it's more likely that economic interest are going to affect your voting interest than sort of your political interest will affect your purchasing decisions. I think it's more likely to go one way than the other. I mean, I know that's true for me. I, I, I like to think I vote with my dollars, but my economic interest overlay with my marital interest, and I'm married to the cheapest man alive, so sometimes I got to go to Old Navy. Yeah, I think that's all well said, and and, and I, I really appreciated this feedback because I hadn't thought about it this way, and um, I like the pragmatism in it, too. Mm-hmm. I, I love her last sentence, you know, hopefully that you balance each other out, because I think that's the point, and what I think is missing right now, and in, in not, not just trade, but, you know, our political discourse generally, is just being clear about what you actually want instead of sort of grabbing on to something that sounds great. Um there are a bunch of examples of this. One thing that I've been really annoyed about in the news this week is sort of the 
attacking Bernie Sanders for not being able to specifically answer the question, how are you going to break up the big banks? Well, like, I don't think anybody supporting Bernie Sanders actually believes that he from the White House is going to, like, take apart J.P. Morgan Chase. Or Ooh, I don't they, know. I think there are some people who do. Well, maybe they do. You know, I mean, I think, th- but that's the question. Like, let's get clear about what we're talking about. Because when I hear him say things like that, what I hear is if there's another situation where the economy starts to fall apart, the banks are on their own. I'm mm. not going to help them. And while I have a problem with a lot of Sanders policy, that one doesn't particularly trouble me. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I think... I think it's just about being clear about what we're talking about, really understanding who has the power to do what, um, and then being okay with a result that is a hybrid of things. I mean, what I what I loved in all of the comments we got from Ashley is that there's just she's very realistic about things and understands that probably nothing is going to be ideologically pure, and maybe and it's not supposed to be. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think a lot of times. People feel like, and I think both sides perpetuate this in their own ways, but I think people feel like, well, if I can't do it all the time, I why even bother at all? And I don't think that's true. I think that, you know, shopping occasionally at Old Navy doesn't exempt you from saying, I care about fair trade and I care about these issues. I just, just because I can't make every decision based on that every single time doesn't mean that those issues aren't important to me. Just like voting, you know, some things, it just depends on your sort of hierarchy of um, values and issues and what's most important to you. And sometimes you're going to have to say like pragmatically, uh, you know, I'm the, I love it. I love a good pragmatic argument. Like this is really important to me, but in the scheme, this is more important to me. I mean, you just have to make those calculuses as an adult in the real world. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, and I think both of our parties need to get better at embracing that. Mm-hmm. And so that mm-hmm. is a nice segue to an email that we got from Chloe, who is a high school student, um, and she is studying Dwight Eisenhower in her AP American History class. And she wanted to know if we thought Dwight Eisenhower could be part of the crazy moderate party, which is one <laughs> of my favorite questions we've ever gotten. <laughs> and and I think the reason that segues well is because Eisenhower was a pretty pragmatic person, right? He governed. Um, now, now, look, there are things in every president's record to go back in history and criticize. I will say right out of the gate that I think Eisenhower had a lot of civil rights failings. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with that disclaimer, there are a lot of things I do like about Eisenhower and places where I do think he is a good fit for the crazy moderate kind of way of governing because, you know, Republicans were really frustrated that he did not take apart some of the policies and programs created during the New Deal. And he expanded Social Security. He invested a ton in infrastructure. That's one of the biggest parts of his legacy. So he really is uh, viewed by a lot of historians as a moderate. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that, you know, I, I've seen paragraphs about him working on building middle of the road consensus and it marginalized extremes on both sides. Hey, I'd vote for that today. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Definitely. I think the student has become the teacher. I love it. (laughs) Okay. We also got an interesting message from Rava who is living overseas right now. And she talks about watching radical Islam developing in Brussels. Mm, That's interesting. And seeing um, implementation of Sharia law in portions of cities there and, and how 
frightening that is. And I think that you can be a very open-minded um, person. I think you could be a, a practicing Muslim and say, like, I'm not really interested in Sharia law happening. Yeah. So um, she she wanted to know what we thought about that in Europe and also whether we thought this is something that could happen in the United States. Hmm. Well, I think that there are you know, parts of the United States that have more concentrated Muslim populations than others, obviously. I don't think you're going to see any sort of implementation of religious law in that way. I, I'm not sure. Um, so is she saying like that the, the, the clerics are coming on and just saying like for my, for the people that, that come to my mosque, this is the law you must follow. Um, I'm not sure. She she has at one point, they're getting closer to succeeding in making Sharia law mandatory, and it is scary for the people of Belgium. And I found a really good um, article from an institute that studies international policy that I'm going to link up in the show notes. So I don't, I don't think that we're at a place where Sharia law is being imposed on non-Muslims, but I think she has a sense that it might be going in that direction. And I'm sorry, Reva, if I'm mischaracterizing anything that you have said in your message. Um, I think it's just such an incredibly difficult discussion because um, it's really hard to piece apart what is scary because it's different and what's scary because it's actually um, threatening. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I don't, I understand, and this is sort of what I was getting at. We're going to talk about some more, more feeder, reader feedback in a second that was really good, but... Uh, with regards to Europe, like that's what I was getting at in another episode. I think that um, European countries have a, a more profound sense of national identity. And so when something as markedly different from the national identity comes along, it feels very threatening because it's different. And I just think it's always really important to piece apart, like, are we threatened because this population is different from our national identity? Are we threatened because we think that there might be a real risk of violence or terrorism? And it's just so important to piece those two apart because different is not bad. And, um, and I think that, yeah, I think that's always important to remember. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box. Salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and Jean also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and Jean each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? 
Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. dipseastories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy. I think another thing that differentiates if you're talking about what is the likelihood of something like this occurring in the United States, one thing that differentiates the United States from Western Europe is the sheer size of the country. Yeah. And the fact that you have countries in Europe that are the size of and smaller than many of our states. Mm -hmm. And so if you had something like this happening, let's just take Kentucky, right? If you had a concentrated population of radicalized Muslims in Kentucky seeking to implement Sharia law, you would not only be able to bring all of the resources of the state of Kentucky to that situation, but also federal resources. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine the resources of neighboring states who had concerns about the implications for them of something like that occurring. And I think that we, for, for all of our criticisms of the United States, we are networked in a really smart and beautiful way. You know, yeah. there's that that's the, the loveliness of our Republic. So and I we're think, diverse. I mean, I feel like the identity of each state is almost like the identity of each European country in a way. And within each state, there's so much diversity. I mean, you think about northern Kentucky where I live versus western Kentucky oh, where yeah. you are and where I grew up. I mean, those are vastly different places. So we, we just sort of have, I think, literally enough ground you know, mm -hmm. and then metaphorically enough ground to see something like that happening and bring more resources to it than I think the countries in Europe maybe have that, you know, I've read a lot about incompetence in Belgium and I think that is a harsh characterization, although I might feel it very acutely if I lived there, they're just working with different materials than we are in the United States. Well, and I heard someone say like, basically in particularly Belgium is, ba is where we were um, sort of after nine 11, like we just realized like we are, 
way behind where we need to be on monitoring this stuff. And they're just trying to catch up, but they have a lot of ground to cover in a short amount of time. The other point that I want to make about this is that I think our best um, offense, I guess, against having concentrated populations of radical Islam in the United States is keeping our perspective on the influence of Christianity in our laws um, in line with our constitution. Because when you have somebody like Ted Cruz out there talking about policing Muslim neighborhoods, or you have laws that impose a certain set of religious beliefs on the way other people are allowed to organize their families, then I think you are creeping in a direction. You're setting a precedent for the influence of religion in everyday life that down the road could be very dangerous. So, yeah, and could and down the road could just side note to the Republican Party, and Kristen talks about this in her book, The Selfie Vote, could just be not good for the future of your party because, you know, side note, fewer and fewer people are going to church, just generally. So even if, beyond the fact that you, you know, the constitutional of message, back to the pragmatism is a pragmatism of it, I just don't think it's a good political strategy because I think people are becoming less and less religious. Yeah, it, it's it's not good on, on any level, just a human level. And, and as we've discussed before, I don't see it as good on a spiritual level either. But but I do I, I do think that it's important to keep that separation of church and state concrete and felt for this very reason, you know? Mm-hmm. So we had another listener, Max, email in with such a good point, but sort of to what I was just talking about. In a previous episode, I mentioned that in Europe they have, you know, very – um, densely populated, poor immigrant neighborhoods that are very segregated. And I spoke to sort of um, America's national identity that I didn't feel like was as um, based on ethnicity as European. And he made a very good point that I was sort of missing the race problem in America, which is probably my white privilege peeking its head out that, you know, I was thinking about it from a very sort of national um, American identity, but we do have obviously a huge problem with segregation and a huge problem with um, segregated neighborhoods with um, incredibly ethnically um, sort of monolithic makeups with poor socioeconomic standing. And he like just blew me away this question is like don't you think the u.s would have more of a problem if a large share of the disaffected population were muslim instead of christian and i thought oh my god well and also that's happened in the past with um the malcolm x and the i'll have to look it up but um we'll put in a something in the show notes but i mean i think that 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 when that when a population of sort of the inner city black population started to identify as Muslim, people felt incredibly threatened. So I think you do have a sort of this historical um, side note to look at. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible. And skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin and I have added ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. 
And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. You know, I think it's a really good point as well. Um, and and uh, there are a lot of ways in which it's fair to say the United States is behind other countries. I think it was also Max who pointed out how difficult it is to immigrate to the United States compared to other countries. And, and we're still in this election wringing our hands about how we have an immigration problem. It is so hard to become an American citizen legally and I think we get all wrapped up in illegal immigration. We are missing opportunities to um, bring new talent into the United States because of how hard it is to be here, to keep existing talent here because visas expire, whatever. We, we, are, we are open in lots of ways and we are closed in many others. So it's not, I, I don't ever want our comments to seem like, Oh, we think that we're ahead of Europe on this because no. we're, we're just, just different. different. It's just exactly. Different. It's hard for different. me to wrap my brain around the fact that Germany had a female chancellor before we had a female president. Yeah. That's where we are. Well, and I was thinking about um, with regards to you know, 
sort of um, being different and where we're at with regards to immigration. I was listening to this really great podcast that I recommend called The Robcast by Rob Bell, who I really like. And he was um, interviewing a female Mexican director. I can't remember her name right now, but she was really, really interesting. And she made a point, which I sort of always forget about people with when they talk to immigration, and particularly sort of this Donald Trump. Well, they need to come here illegally. If you are Mexican and you want to come here, just immigrate legally. I mean, it's, just, it's not really a thing unless you marry or you get a work visa. Like sh- this woman was able to get a work visa because she'd won like a certain amount of artistic awards. And she just happened to be in a like a career that allowed a certain amount of work visas for Mexico. But like if you just want to get on like I don't even think it's open. And if it is, the list is incredibly long. You're talking decades of wait to get into the country legally. So to just be dismissive and say, oh, we'll just do it legally. If you're from certain countries, that is not a path open to you. Right. right. It just isn't. I think the idea that they like everybody has a fair chance to get an equal chance to get here equally. No, it doesn't. It depends on what country you're from. And this is a longer conversation than we really have time for. But I do not in any way subscribe to the notion that immigration hurts Americans' prospects for employment. This I idea subscri- of yeah. people coming and taking our jobs, I don't believe in that. And also, I think that if they, when I would always tell people, I'm like, when people don't want to come here illegally, when we don't have a flow of people trying desperately to get here, something has gone terribly wrong. Absolutely right. Absolutely. Like, they want to come here because we offer something. If we didn't have it, like, I know it's, I mean, that's a, that's a good problem to have that people come here because you're, and they're not just fleeing your country because you have nothing to offer. And people come here to create businesses. They create opportunities for Americans. If, Mm -hmm. if someone is sitting right now in the Ukraine and has an idea for a, let's say a woman is sitting there and has an idea that will cure cancer. And the only way to bring that idea through to execution is to come to the United States and work with people in the United States and get grants from our government. Don't we want that happening? Absolutely. And I don't even care if she's curing cancer. I don't care if she's just like making a better high heel or a better vacuum cleaner. Come on over. I agree. hundred percent. Okay. Well, we have to run, but before we do, Sarah, can I put you on the spot and ask you to just give our listeners an update on your race? Oh, oh, yes, of course. Um, so I had my first candidate forum on Tuesday night. It went really well. Um, you can see I took video of my little section. It was nerve-wracking, but I got a, a lot of really great feedback. Still knocking on doors. I have a fundraiser next week. So I'm feeling um, I'm feeling okay about the primary. I mean, unless I'm del- just delusional, I think I'll be able to get out of the primary. Um, and I'm excited to sort of use that primary as really concrete feedback, which I feel like I'm missing right now, which is sort of a hard place to be in for somebody who works on the internet and has lots of numbers to look at it all the time. But it's going well. I'm getting lots of really positive um, information from voters, people I don't know. So it's it's been really great. We've had several people ask us about putting together an episode that's sort of like, I think I want to run for office someday. What do I do? And so we're working on that. And I think uh, it's just encouraging to people to hear about what you're doing, Sarah, and to make it a little bit more real. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks to everyone for joining us for this episode of The Briefcase. We will see you on Facebook and Twitter. 
Um, hope you'll visit our website, pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. Thank you so much for the iTunes reviews. I know it is a giant pain to give an it iTunes is. review. It is. Gosh, it they is They make not, that as hard as possible. It really so true. But we really appreciate you taking the time to do that. And it definitely moves our numbers in iTunes and helps more people find the show. So if you haven't done that, we will be your best friends forever if you do. Um, thanks again, everybody. We'll see you on Tuesday. And until then, keep it nuanced, y'all.